What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the High Wrestling Podcast, and today I'm getting into everything that happened in the span of two days, because we started with West Coast Pro, their last San Francisco show of the year. We had full gear. Hood Slam Red happened, and Survivor Series is coming up this Saturday. I'm recording this on Thanksgiving, so I hope everybody had a solid Thanksgiving, um, but yeah, we gotta, there's a lot to unpack, there's a lot of updates going on, and that's what we're gonna get into in this episode. So, it has been a minute since I put out an episode, and yeah, I'm slowing down on content. I always say that I'm slowing down on content, But, if I'm being honest, if there's anything I've learned from wrestling this past year, it's to be honest with yourself and your capabilities. That's like a weird takeaway, but it'll make sense in a moment. I'm realizing with the schedule that I have, because I'm working again, and I will be going back to school in February, I won't have as much time to sit down and do all the fun episodes that I thought I would be doing. So what's going to happen is I'm probably going to indefinitely limit episodes to pay-per-views, and when I do go to wrestling shows... And interviews, just because, you know, as much fun as it is doing this podcast and being so involved in the world of wrestling, I am also someone who sees things from a realistic lens and a realistic point of view, and I know that wrestling is not going to last forever. And I'm still trying to figure out where I fit in in the wrestling world because even though I have this podcast, there's probably so many other things I'm good at in the world of wrestling that I don't know about. And I want to take the time to explore them, whether it is actually getting in the ring or managing or commentating, like whatever pot I can get my hands into, I'm just trying to figure it out and learn and go down that rabbit hole. So... With that being said, as fun as it is, it's not something that's going to last forever. And so I kind of want to work on getting some backup plans. And that's part of like being realistic with yourself. Because when I started this podcast, I thought that it would be fun to sit around and get high and talk about wrestling all the time. But I haven't gotten to this podcast to the point where I can do that and my bills are still paid. You know, and I actually get something out of it. So I actually, you know, sometimes you got to be an adult. Sometimes you got to be honest with yourself. So in January, December, January, I will work on starting to train. I'll be prepping for going back to school. And, you know, it's just, I'm four years away from 30. And while that may seem like, a long time for a lot of people. Four years is a long time. That four years is gonna fly by before I know it. So I'm at a point where I'm realizing I just need to do something with my life. Because it's not saying, life is not saying that I can't sit here and get high and talk about wrestling all the time. Life is telling me you need to do something with your life and have a backup plan because if shit falls through, what are you gonna do? So yeah, that's kind of where I've been at and why I've kind of been slowing down on episodes and content because, you know, it's just, it's, it's, you gotta be an adult. You gotta be honest with yourself. And you don't know until you try, so there is that. That's my little, um, existential feel for the day, I believe. But yeah, no, if wrestling really has taught me to be honest with myself, like as a fan, And as someone who's, like, in the industry, essentially, at this point, like, you really gotta be honest with yourself about what it is you want to do, what it is you want to consume, what it is you want to enjoy. 
because let's just say you want to watch the independence and not watch the current product. That's something that you enjoy. You're honest with yourself and you know that you prefer the independence to the current product. It could also be something vice versa where you prefer the current product to the independence or just like certain, like you prefer AEW to WWE. Like the tribalism I will never understand, but you just have to be honest with yourself about what it is you like in terms of wrestling. Like, you also have to be honest with yourself, like, am I a fan or do I, like, really see myself in this industry as well, too? I've d- There's been a lot of thinking and introspection and a lot of realizing that this is not an industry where you want to rush or jump into things right away because I was so prepared to do a couple tryouts that happened recently. There's an Estonia U tryout and there was an Oasis Pro tryout. As much as I wanted to do those tryouts, responsibilities and preparation had to come first because I was in no way prepared to be active. And then I also had to work so I can, you know, make money to pay for these schools, you know? So, I had to be honest with myself. As much as I want to train, it's not something I can rush myself into. I have to ease into it. I have to find that balance. Which, finding that balance is the reason I've been slowing down on episodes, because I also had another death in the family, unfortunately. It's just been a weird year overall in my personal life but at the same time it's been like a very rewarding year so you know it's it's just been interesting it's been an interesting little journey but in doing this I've learned that being honest with myself is probably the number one thing I can do so yeah too long didn't read version. Sometimes you gotta be an adult and get your shit together. And that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to be an adult and get my shit together. Because, like I said earlier, I'm four years away from 30. Now three, since I'm 27 next year. 2023 is gonna be over in like five minutes. So, it, it, practically in three years, I'm, I'm approaching 30. You gotta buckle down and get your shit together at some point. That That's where I'm at. Because that time between now and 30 is going to fly by. So, that 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 has just been where my head is at. I need to get my shit together. But, I have been going to shows. I do have a couple more shows I want to try and get to before the year is over. I want to see if I can make Entertainia next Friday, but I might have to watch it from home, depending on my work schedule and finances. I might be able to swing it, but I might also watch it from home, so we shall see. But for sure, I'm gonna make Oasis Pro on the 16th. And I'm going to cross next year next february finally gonna cross another thing on my wwe bucket list i think because i still have to go to a monday night raw to say that i've been to every type of wwe event because i've been to a smackdown i've been to a house show i've been to a pay-per-view i've just never been to a monday night raw so i'm thinking about biting the bullet and going to monday night raw in San Jose next February, so I can say that I've been to every Halloween? No. WWE event. Although I can say this year, I finally have seen every single Halloween movie, because I watched Halloween 3 Season of the Witch back when I was um, doing my 31 days of Halloween. I mean, I get it, but I don't get it. I talked about it over at hanging with evil when I unpacked the Halloween franchise. 
But yeah, no. It was a very, very, very interesting two days. And I think today I want to unpack it for everybody. Because it was probably the two best days of my life thus far. So, let me start off with West Coast Pro. We gotta go in chronological order for all of this to make sense for my brain personally. But I went to West Coast Pro Whiplash on Friday the 17th, and it was amazing. Amazing show from top to bottom. I will say I prefer the United Irish Cultural Center in San Francisco to the Colonial Theater in Sacramento, because when I went in February, and the fact that I started my independent wrestling journey this year and ended it this year with West Coast Pro... Kind of like a full circle moment if you think about it, but I watched West Coast Pro- uh, West Coast 5 from home and I was like, I need to watch, I need to be at, not just watch, I need to be at Whiplash or so help me God. And I made it happen. I went to Whiplash and I had so much fun. It was an amazing show from top to bottom. Like every match was indeed a banger. But, Tankman and Beef, Calvin Tankman and Beef, probably a tag team to keep your eye out on in 2024. And there was a point in the show where they announced West Coast Pro Tag Team Champions, and I swear if Beef Tank aren't the inaugural West Coast Pro Tag Team Champions. I don't really know what to tell you. Like, Scott needs to make that happen. Scott really needs to make that happen. But I mean, like, it's not my company, but I'm just, I'm throwing suggestions out there. That was, that was a good match. And then also, SPS versus Los Suavecitos. First of all, how the fuck are you going to be from LA and come out to rap in Forte? Like, that's disrespectful as fuck. Fuck you. But, damn, if that match wasn't crazy as hell. Of course, I didn't like the outcome. I'm biased when it comes to SPS. Because Oasis is family. But, It was just some real... There was some really good tag team wrestling that night. And then Juicy did a suicide dive. And I was looking at everybody like, what the hell? We were all just like... We cannot believe that Juicy did a suicide dive. That was crazy. What's that vine where the dude was like, I I can't believe you've done this. I can't do a British accent, but that's how I felt. And then Brian Keith versus Alpha Zoe. First off, a matchup that was very long overdue. Both of those men are so talented, and Alpha Zoe is also someone to keep your eye on. Not not just in 2024, but like starting now onward. Because, man, talk about a workhorse. I've praised Alpha Zoe so much on the show because, again, I think every indie show that I've been to this year, he's been on the card, if not almost all of them. So, talk about a workhorse. That man is super talented, and he just went to Japan. Because I think he won the Marvelous tryout, so he well-deserved. Well-fucking-deserved for Alpha Zoe, for real. But yeah, also Brian Keith, super, super underrated. Probably one of the best unsigned wrestlers out there right now. And it sucks that Brian Danielson got injured because what we could have gotten, like... It, it, 
Let me tell you something. If Tony Khan was going to make something happen, I'm pretty sure he would have made Brian Keith and Brian Danielson happen. But just the timing of it all sucks ass. Then Masha Slamovich versus Johnny Robbie. Let me tell you something. This is the third time. Second verbal time I've said this. If Johnny Robbie has one fan, I am that fan. She is by far, I think, my favorite woman's wrestler out here in these indies. Because I have a few, but Johnny Robbie's. After these past two days, I would say Johnny Robbie like made the top of my list of favorite women's wrestlers. Because there's more, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Because obviously, got to give it to Milo, Mac Daddy Milo, Broke Havoc, of course. But we're focused on West Coast Pro right now. But we'll get there. We'll get there. And then even Starboy Charlie versus Chris Bay. That was really good. Talk Okay, somebody that has improved so much over the course of a year. But I might be late to the party. I could be very late to the party in saying this. But Starboy Charlie's growth over the past year. Because I think I first saw him wrestle in April. And to see, like, where he's at now, like, he's the West Coast Pro Champion. That growth in the span of a year, like, not even a full year, a full calendar year, from April to, what are we in now, November? June, July, August, September, October, like, in, in the span of seven months, this man has developed into a straight beast. Like, all, everybody, everybody on West Coast Pro is definitely going to be doing big things down the line. Like, they are setting up real stars over at West Coast Pro. It was one of my favorite shows I've been to this year, if I'm not mistaken. And then we, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. The fact that I could say that I got to witness Chris Hero's first match back in three years in person. Surreal as fuck to say. That's so surreal to say. Because he didn't lose a step at all. He did not miss a beat. He did not lose a step. It was like... There's something about that moment. Like, it's just like... It's like, where were you when Michael Jackson died? But it's... Where were you when Chris Hero wrestled his first match back in three years? And I'm... I'm usually someone who tries to stay humble in where I'm at in the wrestling industry because I'm I'm not as big as you may think I am but I've had some pretty cool experiences happen that have come from making this podcast a thing so I, I try not to like brag I try to stay very humble and keep it to myself I don't even get pictures with wrestlers anymore Like, I'll meet the best of the best, but I never get pictures. But, I will break my humble streak, if you will, to say that top 10 moments of my life was getting to smoke with Brian Keith after the show. That was really, like, that was a surreal moment for me. And then, like, getting to stand and chat with Chris Bay. 
after the show as well too like that that was solid like there there are these moments that I have that I'm just like wow I can't believe like this is my life right now like even back at Oasis Pro in April no not April it was earlier this year but it wasn't April I can't remember but I remember uh, smoking with Jordan Oliver too so that was just those surreal moments kind of keep those to myself but now I'm sharing these moments for the world to hear and then like the three for three of that night like we of west coast pro that night smoking with ryan keith getting to chop it up with chris bay and then also getting to chop it up with chris hero like three of the nicest chillest guys in wrestling right now Chris Hero is probably one of the coolest people I've ever met. Super nice, super knowledgeable. Like, I could probably sit and listen to him talk for about wrestling for hours. Like, that man is insane. Legend. I will never take that moment for granted. It was so cool. But yeah, it was West Coast Pro so much fun the energy that night was beautiful it was phenomenal i'm so excited to see what they've got going in 2024 i know the next show is january 24th or 27th i have to update my calendar but yeah no that that was a beautiful night that was an amazing night That vlog is up on the channel as well, too. So definitely go check that out. Peep everything that I got. There's a cameo from Lars of Rancid because he was there. And apparently he goes to West Coast Pro shows all the time. That's news to me because that was the first time I've been to West Coast Pro in San Francisco. But yeah, no. Peep the cameo that he doesn't even know about during during the vlog but um yeah no all jokes aside i had so much fun and it was so cool i those that pat those two days the 17th and the 18th made me just realize damn i do love professional wrestling professional wrestling is probably the coolest thing to exist right now and I'm so grateful and so thankful on Thanksgiving of all days that I get to do this shit. So now, full gear. I've been wanting to talk about MJF's tan for like days now. And it kind of bleeds into Hood Slam because full gear and Hood Slam are on the same day. And I watched full gear before I left. But MJF's tan. I've been wanting to talk about that for days, like I said. Because when I tell you... My jaw dropped. It was zero hour. He had just tagged with Samoa Joe against the guns, if I remember correctly. And he got a beat down after the match, and he got on that stretcher. And, I, you know, I was concerned when he was in that ring with Samoa Joe. He was looking pretty orange, pretty brown while he was standing in that ring. And it was normal. I mean, it wasn't normal, but, I mean, it was normal for MJF because I've seen some bad tans in my life. I need him to step away. From the can. Step away from the squeeze bottle. Whatever application I need you to step away. Because they put that man on that stretcher. And his knee was so pale. Not one. Both knees were so pale under his knee pads. In comparison to the rest of his body. Did you just do that? Before you walked out? Did you just put on the, the tan? Like, right before you walked out? Did How long does it take a spray tan to set? 
Because I feel like he could have waited a lot longer. Like, if you're going to spray tan, please do it right. Please do it correctly. If not at all, just don't do it. But, um, yeah, yeah. At this point, when it comes to me and AEW, I've just unmasked the devil at this point. I'm selfish as I'm selfish as hell, and I have no proof behind this theory, but the devil is Jamie Hayter. I, I just miss Jamie Hayter. So if the devil turns out to be Jamie Hayter, I want five bucks straight to my Venmo from anybody. Anybody. It's probably not her, but I'm, I'm just... Ever since she's been injured, the women's division has been cursed. I mean, it was wasn't great when she was still active, but it just seems like ever since she got injured, it just got worse and went so far downhill. She was like the last saving grace. She was our last hope. So I want the devil to be Jamie Hayter, even though it's probably not her. I don't even know who the devil is at this point. I'm just saying Jamie Hayter because I wanted to be her. But at this point, just like take the mask off. Have Adam betray Max. Like just just get it over with. When it comes to AEW at this point, I'm just in a constant state of just get it over with. Because the two best things about Full Gear, in my opinion, were the Texas Deathmatch and MJF's really bad tan. MJF and the no good, horrible, bad tan. Although Orange Cassidy and Moxley put them in a ring together and they're gonna make history. They're gonna work. They're going to work. And then Julia Hart winning the TBS title, I feel like, made a lot of sense. Because, you know, I, I love Chris Statlander. She was a perfect choice to hold the TBS title. Like, I think she, yeah, she did dethrone Jane. Jade, I cannot talk. What happened just now? I've been saying since day one of this podcast, essentially, if not the very beginning of this podcast, that... Chris Statlander needed to be the one to dethrone Jade, and I feel like that was executed very well. Her reign was kind of like, she was a reigning defending champion, but I feel like it was lackluster. But then again, anything involving the women's division at AEW is very lackluster, and it's disappointing. But Julia Hart winning, I feel like, might have switch things up, might have invigorated things, might have, you know, we'll see, we'll see, but very well-deserved win. Um, Tony Storm and Ikaru Shida, though, can we put more women in the AEW Women's Championship title picture? Because the amount of times I've seen the same four to five women go after the title there's a whole roster of people a whole roster of women but the same five are going after the title I, I feel like Tony Storm could have had her could have had her storyline with Mariah May without the title being involved like what's with Ikaro Shida being a transitional champion. What's with that? Because, like, I... It's so predictable at this point. I knew she was going to lose. I may have said one thing in my predictions, but I definitely... Watching the product. 
things started to make sense, things started to add up. I knew Sheeta was gonna fucking lose. I am the fool. Texas Deathmatch. Yeah. Can they put that on YouTube for free? Because I'm not paying $50 for a replay just to rewatch that. That was some of the gnarliest shit I've ever seen in my life. And that's what I like to hear. That's what I like to see. Fuck the guy, whoever, whoever said, it probably was a guy. Whoever said that women don't like death matches is a fucking liar. I ate that shit up so much. That was beautiful. That was art. That's... When I say I like wrestling, I want to see Swerve Strickland and Hangman Page in a Texas death match like that. It made me sick to my stomach. Like, I, Art the Clown has competition. That t scene in Terrifier 2 has nothing compared to that Texas Deathmatch, I swear to God. Man. Man. The fact that Hangman Page did a Triple H with Swerve's blood. <sighs> that was crazy. And also... Was that sanitary? Like, you know, as much as I love death matches and stuff, like, was that sanitary? Is it good to put somebody else's blood in your mouth like that? I'm just thinking from, like, a health perspective. But man, no, I think I think that was match of the year contender, at least for me. And I you know, I've had my reservations and mixed feelings about Hangman Page in the past. But as long as he's not a champion, I fuck with him. Because what he did in the Texas Deathmatch is beautiful. He's just such a boring champion. I couldn't, like, fully enjoy his title reign. But now that I know what he's capable of in terms of violence, I, you know, I am behind him. But he will lose me again if he ever wins the AEW World Championship. Because he was such a boring champion to me. I got into AEW when he was champion. When he took the belt off of Kenny Omega. Well, Kenny was actually champion at the time, but in the midst of that, Hangman took the title from Kenny Omega. And also, MJF getting injured in Zero Hour just to make his miraculous return just in time for the main event was so predictable for, for me, I couldn't even fully enjoy it. I wanted to enjoy it, but it, it was too predictable. Like, you're gonna take MJF out, have him be out for, like, the majority of the pay-per-view, then all of a sudden he makes his miraculous return at the end, because at... at <sighs> I mean, MJF winning makes sense, because why would he lose the title on, like, his year anniversary of holding the belt? But I wanted to see Jay White win because I wanted to see something different. I feel like MJF is constantly giving the same shit. But I, I mean, his title, MJF's title reign is well deserved. And I definitely feel like he carries himself as a champion and as the face of AEW very well. But I don't need to see and hear the same promo and the same segments every week. You know, I feel like we can spice it up. We can do something different. And what was all of that about everybody going after MJF for his title? 
I don't know what they're concocting, but... I would... I think I'm at a point where I just want to see MJF get dethroned. And I feel like if I think about it hard enough, the more it'll go out into the universe. Because I just... I feel like we've seen everything that we've need needed to see in terms of MJF's title reign. So, let me know when they unmask the devil and I will get back to you on everything AEW. Thank you. Okay, Hood Slam Red. One of the best Hood Slams that happened this year. I would say American Scream and Red. American Scream, Blue and Red probably their top three shows of the year but red from top to bottom wow wow taylor swift could never she could never she wasn't doing red like hood slam was doing red okay let me tell you something i wish i was exaggerating when i said it was the best night of my life because, well, I didn't finish watching Full Gear because about the time the main event happened, I had to start getting ready to get and leave so I could be on time, or relatively on time for Hood Slam. So I missed the main event of Full Gear in favor of Hood Slam. And like I said before, if Johnny Robbie has one fan, I am that one fan. Because the match that she had with Brooke Havoc... Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And while we're also talking about my favorite female wrestlers, favorite women's wrestlers on the indie scene, Sandra Moon... Boy, if you don't go watch that match with Anton Voorhees, I will... Pull it up and hold your eyes open so you have no choice, no choice but to watch it. Okay. Listen. Listen. Every match was actually really good because even like the three-way tag match and then the four-way for the golden fanny packs... Listen. Listen to me. Man. The energy there was just so beautiful that night. I loved it. I had so much fucking fun. And like, you know, that day, I just had a good feeling. I just had a really good feeling that day when I left for Hood Slam. Because it's like, I mean, there was just something about this specific Hood Slam. I was like, you know... I have a gut feeling that something's gonna go right, and it did, because I found parking right when I got there, which never happens. Usually I have to drive around a couple times, but I found parking right when I got there. It was unbelievable. I came back to my car intact, no windows busted, no windows broken. It was relieving, because I was low-key paranoid about that. The last hood slam I went to, I did get my driver's side window busted, so there was a little bit of paranoia, but... We were all good this time. It was all good. So, what else happened? I saw the homies, of course. Shout out to Chris Rudo Rampage and Jose, the Ugwa camera crew, Brosive Brody, Anton, of course, everybody involved in Hood Slam. Shout out to the homies. But yeah, Brooke Havoc and Johnny Robbie was a very fun match. They're both two wrestlers to like keep your eye on. Like when Ring of Honor Ring of Honor and Collision Rampage were all here. Uh Brooke and Johnny were extras for Ring of Honor taping and they are beyond talented. If you go back and watch that match, you can see what I get to see on a frequent basis. That sounds weird. That sounds very creepy. But I mean, like, I, I've seen them a bunch of times these years at multiple shows. So you can see what I'm seeing 
in their talent when you go watch their matches or go watch that tag team match from Ring of Honor. But yeah, no, those, those two are going to go places for fucking real. They're so talented. So, so, so talented. And then Anton Voorhees versus Sandra Moon, probably one of, an, not one of, another match of the year contender, along with Kenny Kane, Dark Sheik, is at the last Hood Slam. The Hood Slam before the, the, no, I didn't get my, I didn't go to the last Hood Slam. It was a couple Hood Slams ago, I got my window busted, I'm out here lying. Unrelated though. But, match of, one of the match of the year contenders, for sure, Anton Voorhees and Sandra Moon, underrated, under-fucking-rated. They, they work so well together. There were so many spots in that ma- This vlog will be up next week, by the way, but there were so many spots in that match. That was so good. Like, every match that night was good, but I probably have to rank Sandra and Anton as the best one that night. Um, yeah, no, the best one. Because the three-way tag was the it was boom gang mm, and lost treasures that was a really good match mighty myra and milo becoming a tag team probably like one of the biggest brain moments that they could have ever done at hood slam But the Boom Gang versus the Emo Heads for the Intergalactic Tag Team Championships, though. (sighs) Stress. Stress. And then talk about people who we need to stop sleeping on. Like, the, the top three workhorses of Northern California right now. Alpha Zoe, Starboy Charlie... Kenny fucking K. I can't even describe the shit that Kenny K can do in the ring. That man is superhuman. He is supernatural. Be uh, beyond under is an understatement, but beyond fucking talented. Man, the shit that Kenny K can do will blow your fucking mind. And you know what's crazy? He still... I still manage to be surprised when he does shit. I still find a way to be surprised when he does shit in the ring. That is so... Watch that, man. Stop sleeping on Kenny K. Somebody else you need to stop sleeping on is fucking Hop Daddy. Hop Daddy's so fucking talented. He's been one of my favorites since I started going to Hood Slam. He is so underrated and well-deserving of his glampianship. Like, he has been putting on some consistent fucking bangers. That man can go in the ring. Don't let the name and the appearance fool you. That man is, he can go. He's, Hop Daddy's fucking lit. One of my favorite parts of Hood Slam. Shout out Hip Hop Harry. For real. And I have to save the best for last. Because I still cannot believe that this moment was real. And actually happened. Um... It was Dark Sheik and Vipers versus Sawyer Wreck and Maki Ito. Well, actually, two moments that I couldn't believe happened. Um, so, if if you watch Hood Slam, you, you see me standing ringside with my phone getting vlog footage. You usually see me in the same spot every Hood Slam, right? 
I didn't know it was going to be in Maki Ito and Sawyer Rex corner. So, to be standing that close to Maki Ito had me so much in a panic. Because it was the fucking Maki Ito, the cutest fucking wrestler in the world. Like, she really is the cutest fucking wrestler in the world. Oh my god. But, there was a point where I guess she got knocked out of the ring or knocked on the apron and she was standing like right next to me and I was just kind of like oh fuck this is this is real this is a real moment I'm standing next to Maki fucking Ito right now and in in a way that is as respectful as possible her ass was in my face the entire match when she was standing on the apron and that that tells you how close I was. But that match was also really fucking good. I want to see more of Sawyer Wreck and Maki Ito as a tag team. And the storytelling that Sheik and Vipers have managed to give us with their tag team. Because it's like, you really don't know if they're on good terms or not. And I love the ambiguity. I love if you don't know if they're friends or if they're foes. But what I do know is that they definitely need to fight it out. But I was I literally had to process the fact that I was standing next to Maki Ito just to have to turn around and process the fact that fucking Lita, of all people, showed the fuck up out of nowhere. Like, my favorite wrestler of all time, WWE Hall of Famer Lita, just made a random fucking unprovoked appearance at fucking Hood Slam. Like, I, I, I was literally shaking when she walked out. I was shaking so bad. Like, I marked the fuck out. Like, I kept my cool, but on the inside, I was marking the fuck out because I never thought I would ever see Lita in person. I didn't even have to meet her. I don't even care that I didn't get to meet her. It was just the fact that she was, like, right fucking there. And I thought that I would never get to ever see her in person. In my life as a wrestling fan, that was crazy. I li- I almost had a panic attack. I'm not even going to lie to you. I almost passed out. I almost passed out. I wish I was exaggerating, but I was like... It was after the match, Vipers and Sheik had got into it, and then you just hear a random voice, and I'm just like trying to figure out who the random voice is. I'm like going through the Rolodex of everybody on the Hood Slam roster. If you can even call it a roster, I don't know if they refer to it as a roster. As a, I don't know if they refer to it as a roster, but fuck me. Then Lita fucking walks out. You have to understand the weight of that. Lita fucking walks out I'm still processing this days later it's about to be a whole week since this has happened and I'm oh my god like if I have to rank my favorite moments of the year that I've kept to myself because I just, I, I genuinely try to stay humble because one, I feel like what, not in a disrespectful way, but if I say that it's none of your business, I feel like it's just, I don't need to speak on it. I don't need to brag about it. It's something that I can keep to myself. But since we are ending the year and getting close to the end of the year, I wanted to like talk about my favorite moments. The, the coolest moments of my life. But we'll get into that 
like right before the Survivor Series predictions because I just want to wrap up Clint Slam Red, but that was probably the best night of my life. Because I was on such a high that wasn't strictly because I was crossfaded, but I was crossfaded and my favorite wrestler was standing like feet in front of me. You have to understand the euphoria that feeling gives you. It was such a fun show. I was so sad. I don't have. I didn't have any red to wear. Which I, damn, I was very sad. I did not have any red to wear. But yeah, between blue and American Scream, I would rank red up there as probably Hood Slam's best show this year. Period. So remember how I said it said just now that I was going to talk about my coolest wrestling experiences like behind the scenes why can I not remember anything I've ever done since I put myself on the spot like that yeah and that's part of why I stay humble Part of why I stay humble, but yeah, no, I, I, I will say this past year has been one of the coolest years of my life, and getting to cross paths with all of these people and to interact with all of these people and these promotions and these wrestlers, I'm not taking this shit for granted at all because the. I didn't think I would get here, and I'm still shocked, and I'm still like, damn, this is real. This is my life now. I'm essentially in the industry, which is crazy to think about. But I'm very grateful, very thankful for where I've managed to get this podcast to. Very grateful and very excited to see where it goes in the future. Because I can honestly say this is the first time in my life where I say, wow, I love my life. I love what I'm doing. And I'm actually one of the coolest people I know. I know a lot of cool people, but I can finally tell myself I'm one of the coolest motherfuckers that I know. Which is crazy to think about. It's insane to think about. You know what else is insane? I had lemon meringue prop pie for the first time today. I have never had it before. But it is so fucking good, bro. So fucking good. I was just, I never knew what the fuck meringue was. And when I tell you, I was sitting here eating the lemon meringue pie. Watching somebody make a lemon meringue pie because I was like, How, what the fuck am I eating? So I sat here, ate pie, watched how somebody made a lemon meringue pie so I could understand what the fuck I was eating. But it was so good. It was so tart. I don't need a third slice, but let me tell you, nothing's stopping me. But Survivor Series predictions, I did I get everybody for Survivor Series? It feels like it's going to be so short, though. And unfortunately, I'm going to miss it because I work 4 p.m. to midnight. So right when everything's about to start, I have to go into work. So I'll probably be watching it the next day. And I just realized the show seems very short because they have the war games matches. It's like the card looks very small, like they aren't doing two big ass war games matches. I say Gunther is going to retain over The Miz simply because I just don't see anybody losing their titles until WrestleMania. I feel like I say this a lot, but I don't know. I feel like we're at the end of the year 
would it really make sense for somebody to drop a title or have a title switch hands at this point? Because if you blink, WrestleMania will be here before you know it. Because the Royal Rumble is about to show up. Like, time is fine. Gunther can very well be champion all the way to WrestleMania. I would not be shocked. But I will say, I think I said this when I was on the Bullet Cast, but I don't mind that it's Gunther versus The Miz because those are the two people that I think about when I think of the Intercontinental title. The Miz and Gunther are probably two of the wrestlers in this era, in this generation, that actually made the Intercontinental title mean something. So this this matchup makes sense to me. It might be my match of the year. I just hope it's not a squash match because I know The Miz can go. The Miz can give us some really good matches. So I'm just hoping that Gunther versus The Miz isn't a squash match. If they open the show, I hope they deliver. But I feel like that, I don't know. I don't know how the match card actually is. But I feel like Gunther and The Miz is going to have like some heart behind it just because of that history. And then Rhea Ripley versus Zoe Stark. I wish I could say that I was interested in it, but I'm not. I'm going to say Rhea is going to retain, though, just because I don't see anybody dropping their titles until WrestleMania. And I feel like it's too soon for Zoe Stark to hold a belt. And as for the men's war games match, I'm going to go with the not judgment day team because there's too many names. Cody, Seth, Jay, Sammy, and Randy, I'm going to go with them because why would you have Randy Orton return and have him lose? But for the women's war games match, I'm actually going with damage control. I don't want the baby faces to win in this situation. But the Judgment Day and Drew McIntyre, yeah, th- let them lose. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. But I feel like they're going to win, though. No, that's what I said. You wouldn't bring Randy back just to have him lose. Yeah, you would not bring Randy. Oh, Randy Orton in a War Games match. Shut the fuck up. Oh my god. The concept of Randy Orton in a War Games match has just settled the fuck in. That man is gonna go all the way fucking off. He is gonna go crazy in that cage. Man. I wonder if they're going to wait to show him. That's not how I want to phrase the sentence. I wonder if they're going to wait for Survivor Series for him to make his appearance on TV finally. Or if he's just going to show up on SmackDown. I feel like we should wait until he makes his entrance. On War Games. And then we got Carlito versus Santos Escobar. I feel like Santos Escobar needs to win to really like put the cherry on top of the on this heel turn. Yeah. But yeah, that's how I um envision Survivor Series going. I could be wrong. I could be right. I should probably write it down. But it's only five matches, so how could I, like, forget that? Anyways. 
about time for me to hit the hay. Because I am indeed feeling it, Mr. Krabs. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. I hope you have a good holiday season. And I will most likely catch you guys on the next one. Stay breezy.